Thank you, Holy Spirit. That you are controlling everything. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that your name is glorified and that every believer is lifted up and strengthened today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Where does the help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. We thank you, Jesus, and we give you all the glory. We welcome you into this place because you're present with us and in us. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for all that you have done, both seen and unseen. We thank you, Jesus, that you help us and you strengthen us and protect us and guide us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I see the Lord bringing healing to you. In your body? Yes, you. Yeah, there's some weaknesses in your body. The Lord Jesus, He's healing you. Just put your hand on your stomach. Put your hand on your stomach, please. Thank you, Jesus. It's by His stripes and His wounds. It's by His stripes and your wounds, you're healed. Thank you, Father. I declare it over her. That every chain is broken. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see the Lord healing you from condemnation. He's restoring you from condemnation that always allows you to have a difficult walk with God. When I'm praying here, the Holy Spirit said to me that He's restoring you from condemnation that's troubled your walk as a believer. Be different for you today. No more attacks. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, that you restore this man. That you restore him. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for this man, that you restore him. From today, it's changed. He's delivered. Thank you. The Lord knows what you're going through. He cares for you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, more of your love. Thank you. Spirit of condemnation, you leave him in Jesus' name. You have no work in him anymore. That's been the problem why you struggle to walk. Condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Eva, Eva, put your hand on your stomach. Where's Eva? Put your hand on your stomach. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke every attack on her and her child. In Jesus' name, I command you to leave Satan. You have no authority to attack her or her child. Every lie that you have planted in her mind, we break it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're free. The enemy was troubling you in your mind that something can happen to this child. You're free. Jesus loves you. He woke me up three days before to pray for you. And he showed me everything you're going through. Now, this is not a show, people. The Holy Spirit, he's the Lord over this meeting. And there may, there may be battles in you. And the Holy Spirit reveals himself openly because he loves to heal and restore people openly. He's not shy. He loves to restore people. He's the God of restoration. He's the God of restoration. And whenever the Holy Spirit works, he brings out Satan openly because he's defeated. He's defeated in Jesus' name. You can live the rest of your life victorious. Hallelujah. Because Satan works in secret, God works openly. Satan whispers in the dark. God speaks out loud because he's the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. May your name be glorified today in us and through us. I pray, Lord, that we live a life worthy of our calling, that we may conquer and overcome the world so we can live in a life that is true to you, that is true to our conscience, that is true to our heart, that is true to you in every way. Lord Jesus, I pray for this grace to come upon us, so that we may love you above ourselves, above the world, that you may be the ruler of our hearts and the way we live our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you all for coming. Who's ready for today? Bless you. So I already went for half an hour, and I don't know how long I'm going to go for now. <laughs> where would you rather be? This is the place to be where the Holy Spirit comes and takes over the meeting. Amen? This can happen in your home. This can happen here. This can happen when you're walking. It's how you allow him to come. True? Anywhere you are, God is omnipresent. And this is the truth that needs to be in your heart. Because when you're in this area, God is Lord over every area. What you see here is a result of 
everything that we do in secret. It's, this is just the, the overflow of what a believer is meant to do in secret. I want to say myself, I'll say a believer. Is to be their life grafted and operating in the fruits of the Holy Spirit, walking with Him every day. So, <clears throat> so the Holy Spirit spoke to me twice last week. The Holy Spirit spoke to me twice last week. Who, who was he on Sunday? Hands up. Whoever was there on Sunday needs to have a look at that teaching because it will change your life. The Philippians 4.8, be anxious for nothing. I think everyone's quoted that when they're fearing. But they don't know why fear is even there. They don't know why anxiousness is even there. <laughs> you look at the deeper picture and you begin to think, okay, why are these things continuously surfacing in my life as a believer? What's the deeper picture? What's the deeper problem? And the Holy Spirit, He gave such a treasure there. Amen? So today... Um, Today is very powerful. I really believe there's a massive confusion. There's a, there is a massive confusion in believers' lives today. Yes? And who brought this to my attention? The Holy Spirit last week. And he said to me this statement. He said, many people believe that it's God's discipline, but it's really Satan's warfare. We've done a good job as believers in, disguise, in disguising this to be that. Are you listening? <laughs> well, are you going to get the shock of your life today? But I thank God, it's not to bury you, it's to actually lift you up. I thank God. But before, before God can lift you up, He has to bury all those things. So the Holy Spirit said to me last week, and I was fellowshipping with some people, in that moment he spoke to me. And he said to me, many believers, many believers believe what they're going through is God's discipline, but it's really Satan's warfare. And what an eye-opener to the body today of the teaching that's going to get released. All glory to God. It's going to get released and it will change your life as a believer. So the Holy Spirit said one sentence after this. And do you, know what he, do you know what he said to me? After he said this to me, and word by word, after he said that many people believe that it's God's discipline, but it's really Satan's warfare. You know what he said to me? He said to me, Satan's warfare delays God's discipline brings growth. Write this down. If there's anything you can write down in this meeting, write that sentence down. Because there you can begin to examine your life as a believer. Satan's warfare brings delay. Delay from what? I have a microphone. I challenge people today. Please, not a paragraph, just a word. <coughs> so we've got some people that are online that are listening. Um, bless you for tuning in. Um, 
the greatest definition of warfare from the Old Testament, the whole purpose of that was to bring delay in a believer's life. Delay from what? Can someone walk around them? It's a good question, right? The greatest question you're going to ask yourself today, am I operating in Satan's warfare? And why is Satan's warfare attracted to me? Or am I operating in God's discipline? There's going to be some major mountains coming down today. So, what's the whole purpose of Satan's warfare? Why was it designed in the Bible? What's the whole point of Satan's warfare? His, his, the main point out of all the attacks you see in the Bible is to bring delay. Delay. From what? So we've got a microphone. Coffees? They want more coffees? Well, Chris ran away already. So if there is one major area that Satan wants to focus on, he wants to delay you from what? Anything the believer wants to pursue. Anything a believer wants to pursue, yeah, you're, you're, you're on target. But there's something that I'm looking for, a, a word. So, so, take it easy. So, so, whoever heard it, don't say the answer. Okay. Spiritual growth? Yeah, but I'm looking for one word. Come on, someone's got to get this. Yeah, you're, I'm looking for one word. Heart. It's close. Freedom. Close. Purpose. One word. Responsibility journey. Your kingdom. Kingdom. If the round of applause for Pastor Dorian, please. So whoever gets the answer right, we're going to clap. Every week we're going to clap. Okay? So if there's anything that Satan's warfare wants to produce is to create a delay from entering the kingdom. That's the whole purpose of Satan's warfare. The mastermind, the major, the major strategy of Satan is to cause delay. Yes? How many people operating in delay today? Most of you should be already in the kingdom. Most of you should be already operating in the kingdom. What's the kingdom? What's the kingdom? Gospel of repentance. Yes? Baptism. Operating in the power. Being a testimony for him. Winning souls. Building his church. This is what Satan delays you from. Most of you today, or the majority, you are Christians, but you're not in the kingdom. It's the truth. Because when you become kingdom-minded, your life no more exists on earth. It's his will, his purpose, and his guidance. So the, the Holy Spirit said this to me. I thank God. 
that he's orchestrating everything. But he said that many believers have believed that Satan's warfare is God's discipline. We're in error. Why is Satan's warfare attracted to you? It's a good question, isn't it? So many people uh, feel like Satan's warfare is attracted to them. What is warfare? How does Satan wage war against you? That's going to be such a place of clarity for every believer today. So the greatest mastermind of Satan or the greatest strategy is to what? Cause delay. Many of you should be in the kingdom by now. And I say this in love, but I tell you the truth. Most of you, most of you now should be at a, at a place of maturity, should be a place of winning souls, should be at a place of operating in the Holy Spirit. But so much of us are struggling to repent from our own lives. And it's the truth. Because if you've truly repented, if you've truly obeyed, naturally you're promoted to the kingdom. Make no mistake. But this is a question for you today. Is it a good thing to be in this area as a believer? I'll let the scripture answer it. Is it a good thing for you to think, you know what, I'll just go with the motion. Whatever happens, happens in my journey. Yeah? Or do you need to be a good steward? Do you need to be a man of discernment, a woman of faith? A person of truth? A person of righteousness? A person of holiness? The you have to understand, you don't become that person for the sake of it. There are, there, you must know and understand that these things have to be produced in you for you to get promoted in a, as a believer. Every believer is meant to be operating in the kingdom. Every believer. Paul said, I can't give you meat, I have to give you milk. There are gossips, slanders, childish things. They couldn't mature. But this is... This is something different than I'm preaching. Today you're going to learn, and it will shock you because it shocked me as a believer. What is Satan's warfare? What is Satan's warfare? And why is Satan's warfare attracted to me? Because naturally, naturally, if you are operating in God's discipline, naturally there is growth. There is momentum, there is a vision, and there is a position for you to operate in. That's how you can know if you are operating in God's discipline. The whole point of God's discipline is to what? Produce a seed of righteousness so you can be the hands and feet of the Lord on earth. That's the whole point of God's discipline, for you to become like Him and for you to reveal His glory wherever you go. Satan's warfare... All it does is delay you from who you truly are as a believer. And you're going to see one word today that's going to stand out that will shock every believer. I believe every believer has to repent from today. Because I repented. No, no, I'm not joking. I repented. Because this word has controlled the whole world today. I wouldn't say the body. It's controlled the whole world today. And you're going to see it. Now let's go. Where's Chris? Can you lock all the doors? <laughs> we're joking, we're joking. So please, 
everything I'm giving you today has been from the Holy Spirit, thank God. But there are some deep, deep questions you're going to ask yourself today as a believer. And please, I ask myself before I bring it out and I bring it to you. If the Holy Spirit has given it to me, we're ready to hear. And he told me, I'm going to give you a deeper teaching. I don't know whoever has been part of this ministry moving forward. He said to me, I'm going to show you the deep schemes of Satan from Revelation. He said to me, I'm going to show you the deep, of t the deep teachings of Paul. And can I tell you something? The more and more God sh brings out this truth, the more and more the path becomes narrower. If I can say it like that. But can I say it like this? The more and more the path becomes narrower, the more and more my vision becomes clear. The more and more my vision becomes clear, the more and more the Holy Spirit becomes clear. It, it, it connects perfectly. For a religious Christian, he'll think, oh, this is too hard, this is difficult. That's a religious mindset. But to know truly that the Holy Spirit's clear in your life and he's orchestrating everything, what, what is there? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of you truly operating in the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look here. So this is the question you're going to ask yourself today. Am I really cooperating with God's discipline or am I under the influence of Satan's warfare? Satan's warfare brings delay which leads to disobedience which prevents you from operating in the kingdom of God with power. The greatest attack of Satan is delay because it prevents you from operating inside your calling of God, which prevents you from maturity. These are the things that I wrote down. Let's have a look. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, yeah, verse 4 to 6. Look here, I'm going to break it down, and you're going to get the shock of your life, because I did, but I thank God that He is orchestrating this. So whatever He gives us, He gives us the grace to receive it, and the truth so we can walk in it. But look. For the weapons of our warfare, so he's talking about warfare. Who creates warfare? So Satan, he hates, he hates believers and he hates God. Yes? You have to know this. So what is Satan's greatest role? If he hates God and he hates the believer, what's his greatest role for the believer? If there's something that Satan wants to see in a believer's life today, what would it be? What is his greatest desire? What's that, sorry? Yeah? I can't hear, sorry. Cause havoc? Yeah, it's good. Disappointment? I can't hear, sorry. Separate you? Good. Separate you from God? Rebel? Good. The most important or what Satan loves to see in a believer is for you to fall. That's his greatest desire. 
for you to fall. Everything that he works towards is to cause you to fall. But let's see this. How does he actually cause you to fall? What does he replace in you that causes you naturally to fall? No one wants to serve him. No one wants to be apart, apart with him in any way. So what does he replace that God has put in you so you can walk with him unfortunately? Let's have a look. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, we, can you go back there? Now, this word, I'm going to break that down from the Greek. It gives us a, a great treasure so we can walk more and more with the Lord. Next one, please. Casting down arguments and every, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, let's look here. Let's break it down. So, So we'll, we'll stick with this last line. When you read this last line here, in regards to warfare, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, it talks about punishing it. So when you read this line here, what does that speak to you? Does it happen immediately? Or is it a process? It's a process. But what are you fighting against? See, this is the thing. A lot of believers, they don't know what they're fighting against. They don't know what Satan brings against them to actually identify him. But we'll see here from the scripture. So w the word warfare, for everyone who is following whoever has the Esod, the word warfare is in the Strong's 4752. The word is stratia. Stratia. And you know where that word comes from? Yes? But can anyone have a guess where that word, what that word sounds like in the English? Strategy. So Satan designs a strategy against you. To what? Dismantle you. That's the only way he can steal. He has a strategy against you. So you must know that Satan has a strategy against you. Unfortunately, we don't like to speak about him, but we need to. Okay. So the word stratia, it means a military service that is the apostolic career as one of hardship and danger in regards to contend with carnal inclinations. Now pay attention here. I read this out again slowly. A military service that is the apostolic career as one of hardship and danger in regards to carnal inclinations. So here he speaks here that warfare is of hardship and danger. It's something that we are going to fight against. 
But what is it really that we're fighting against? You begin to think, does Satan appear and we fight against him? No, he has a strategy. He knows what causes man or woman to fall. He knows exactly what he's doing. Do you know what he's doing? Because if you don't know what he's doing, you won't be ready. And, that, and unfortunately, you lack discernment, you give in. Okay. So what? So he says here, one of hardship and danger in regard to contend with carnal inclinations. What is a carnal inclination? So he says here, we, we are in hardship and we are in danger against carnal inclinations. That's what the word means. Now, what does carnal inclination mean? Carnal inclination means to have a tendency to lean towards the flesh. So when Satan brings warfare against you, what is he doing? You have a tendency to naturally obey the flesh rather than the spirit. That's how he creates warfare against you as a believer. Someone will think, ah, every or every week, more of the flesh is dictating me more in the spirit. Who's behind this? Satan's warfare. What's the real issue? We'll get deeper. Carnal inclinations means to have a desire to be bent or crooked in the flesh. We'll keep going. Carnal inclinations mean to be weak in the flesh and to serve it. So when Satan brings warfare against you, what is he doing? He's using the flesh against you. So if someone is continuously attacked with Satan's warfare, it shows the area where he is as a believer. Carnal inclinations, now this is a big one. Please listen carefully. Carnal inclinations means to have a habit or a behavior. So what's Satan's warfare? What's his greatest desire to do inside of you? To create his behavior in you and to create a habit of sin in you. Are you listening? Are we listening? Someone says, week by week, you pray in the spirit, you fast, you meditate on God's word so much, you understand now why. You understand now why, how weak the flesh is. You understand now why not to give, not to give a footstool for the flesh. In the book of Romans, it says, make no provision for the flesh. Yes? Why? Why? Why does the Bible say to carry your cross daily? Why? Because daily the enemy tries to find a door. And what does he do? He doesn't come. He brings the flesh to you. As he did from the old to the new. Of God. To live in the spirit. Why? Because Jesus Christ defeated Satan. Yeah. The victory belongs to the Lord. Amen? But we are the soldiers. It doesn't mean you have won it. <laughs> Jesus won it doesn't mean you have won it. We are the soldiers. The victory, it belongs to the Lord. As long as you hearken to the voice of the Lord and you obey Him, you have the victory. 
we are the soldiers, but the victory belongs to the Lord. But that's by the Spirit. That's by you cooperating with Him. That's by you being obedient to Him. That's by you not gratifying the desires of the flesh and obeying the Spirit. That's your free will as a soldier. St. Paul recognizes himself as a soldier throughout half of his epistles. Why? Because we're in a battle. We're in a war. And let's not shy away from it. Jesus has given us the grace to overcome. He's given us the victory to overcome. The rest is your free will. So if Satan is going to bring something to you as a believer, what would he bring? <laughs> it actually shocked me. And I got happy. You know why? Because more of me is given to God after this. From the teaching that the Holy Spirit gave me, more of me is aware of this. There's nothing greater than being aware of something that can cause you to fall. Yes? We keep going. So carnal inclinations, or should I say warfare. Warfare that Satan brings to a believer is to form a habit and a behavior. A habit to sin and a, and a behavior of Satan's characteristics. What's a characteristic of Satan? Pride, anger, disobedience, jealousy, envy. I can't hear, sorry. Greed, deception, they're good. Anymore? Rebellion, pride, hatred, doubt, unbelief. What's that? Guilt. Hatred, amen. So you begin to see, yeah, how dominant his behavior is in this world. Right? Okay. Now, this is the fun part. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. But God blessed me with this teaching. We'll keep going. Look how warfare fights for you. Let's start with the word strongholds. <clears throat> now, I'll never look at a stronghold like this, like I did. The word stronghold is from the strong. 3794. The word is akaruma. Ahuruma. That's the word. No, it's actually good. Ahuruma. <laughs> oh, Lord. The word Ahuruma, meaning to fortify through the idea of holding safely. A fortress is a place, this is stronghold. A fortress is a place where you're kept safe, like a, like a castle, a bunker. For example, a mighty fortress is our God. But look how warfare creates strongholds. This is the true meaning of strongholds. Yes? Ready for the, for the punchline from the, that word stronghold? A stronghold is anything on which one relies. Okay, that's a stronghold. 
So a stronghold, that's the meaning of it in the Bible. So the, the, the word stronghold, the punchline, anything on which one relies. You begin to see now, when Satan came to Jesus, what did he bring to him? You begin to see. Sin, the world, money, you begin to see. He wanted him to, to be brought into a place of bondage so he can rely on that. You know, one question you need to ask yourself today, what is your security? You know, look here. A stronghold, the Bible says here, that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down a stronghold. So a stronghold is anything on which one relies. I'm not going to speak about God's discipline today because it's going to clash with this teaching. Now you begin to see the greatest stronghold that Satan wants to impose in you. We go to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. Okay. Here, there are five sta statements of the I will. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Remember that statement, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So you see here these prideful statements from Lucifer. Yes? How can that come into our hearts today? Let's have a look. We go to the first one. I will ascend. Now let's have a look at this word here, because you will start to open your eyes. The word ascend in the in the Hebrews five nine to seven is aula, aula, or gala, um, yeah, gala, similar to the Arabic. The word ascend is to stir up. Now pay attention here. The word is to stir up. The word means to begin to spring up. The word is to set up. The word here is to break the day up. What do you mean break the day up? The Bible says that we are the workers of the day. You know, to put off the workers of the darkness. So he's here It's saying to break the day up meaning to take away the light. To grow over, to work for, and to put on. That's what the word ascend means. Now the punchline to stir up, begin to spring up, to break the day up, to grow over, to work for, to put on what? There's one final word that links the whole thing together. And you know what that is? When Satan's warfare comes against you, how does he bring it against you? Look, 
to lift self up. Are we listening? So when Satan's warfare, I don't know how I'm going to say this. When Satan's warfare comes against you, he's attracted to you in which way? When you begin to lift yourself up. Are you listening? So the word I will ascend to heaven means to lift self up. Meaning that God is no longer dictating you by the Spirit. You are naturally operating in the flesh. So when Satan brings his warfare against you, or if he wants to create a stronghold in you, if Satan wants to create a stronghold in you, what is his greatest desire? To lift yourself up above the throne of God. And when you serve the flesh, that's what you're doing naturally. Are you listening? When you serve the flesh, you're putting yourself above the throne of God. So every day, you want to be dictated by the flesh, you are naturally ascending above the throne of God where Satan desires for every believer to be. And how does it begin? I. I will. I will. It shows you how evil the flesh is. How it easily wants to dictate and guide every person which Satan imposes. When Satan brings warfare, his greatest desire is for what? To put a stronghold in you so you can lift up yourself above the throne of God. Please, please understand this. So when you dictate your life from day to day, you are putting yourself above the throne of God. Okay. Now let's see how he does this. So if Satan wants to, if Satan wants to allow you to put your throne, which is your flesh, above the throne of the Spirit, how does he do this? Look. The Bible tells us that he was cast out due to his rebellion against the Lord. But behind rebellion lies pride. So warfare is really attracted to what? Pride. If warfare is continuously following you, then the real issue is pride. But we're going to go one step deeper. To diagnose the real problem why you are naturally being led by warfare than God's discipline. You're going to see this picture and you're going to think, wow, I never saw it like this, but I didn't either. Before pride, there's something deeper 
where we can easily relate to it in our lives. So let's have a look. The reason why Satan's warfare is, at, is attracted to you, it's because pride, which creates strongholds. And what is a stronghold? Anything on which one relies. Now the most important question is, how does Satan do this? Let's go to, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Should I get my laser for this? No, I'll leave the laser. Well, thanks to Jana, she got me the laser. <laughs> so look at this here. This will shock you. Because Paul's diagnosing the problem. Everyone's trying to fix, everyone's trying to fix their, their, their walk with God, but the real problem lays deeper. Yes? So every person's trying to cut the branches. I've got to fix this area. I've got to fix this area. I've got to cut this off. The problem lays deeper. It's not a branch, it's a root. And Paul gives it away. Look, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men, for men, what is the root of pride? What is the root of pride? The first, sen first, first five words. For men will be Lovers of themselves. That's the real issue. People are lovers of themselves. That's the real issue. That's causing the rest to follow. When you love self, you want to bring to yourself. And the whole pattern comes. So what is the real issue? The warfare creates strongholds, which is pride. What's the, what's the diagnosis? What's the root problem? I'm a lover of myself. I love my life above the throne of God. Can you see? Can you see? So if I had a scissors, I would have given like cutting a tree, but it's growing the same fruits. Why? Because you love your life above the throne of God. Look at the pattern. Look at the pattern of warfare, Satan's warfare. It's not God's discipline, it's Satan's warfare. Satan's warfare is attracted to a believer because his desire is to create strongholds because of pride. But deeper than pride, you love your life more than God. Because if you didn't love your life and you love the life of God, these things wouldn't come. Are you listening? Are you listening? If you, if, you loved you, if you loved God more than your own life, these patterns wouldn't appear in you. They wouldn't appear. So when, you, when we speak about God's discipline, it's a different process. When you speak about pride and being a lover of yourself, this is what comes. So a Christian today, is, I have to be more grateful. No, you're not grateful for a reason. I have to be more obedient. No, you're not obedient for a reason. The real issue is I love my life more than God. That's the real issue. Until you see, you will not be free from it. Until you know what you're fighting against, you won't be free from it. So what is the root of pride? 
if Satan wants to do something in you, which is it's his strategy, it's not your own strategy, it's his strategy. If Satan wants to do something inside of you, what is it? To love yourself. That's how he gets you. And that's how warfare follows you all your life. That's how you live a troubled life all your life. He knows what's going to trouble you. The flesh troubles you, not him. The flesh troubles you. He knows what's going to cause you to stumble. He gets you to serve your flesh. Then, you, then God's angry at you. Satan's got nothing to do for now. Now God's angry at you. You see it? Whoever makes himself a friend to this world is... So Satan knows this. So he gets you to serve the flesh, then God is angry at you. But see what Satan does? He wipes his hands and I have nothing to do with it. And he walks off. He walks away. Because he knows that if I can get them to rebel against God, God will, God will be angry at them. That's how he steals. That's how he destroys. That's how he kills. Look at the pattern. For men will be lovers of themselves. What's the next pattern? You know, I'm working too hard. And you know, I've got to make time for God. You know, that's my greatest challenge. You're a lover of yourself. You are a lover of yourself. Don't be fooled. People negotiate. You know, oh, I... Pray for me. I want to make more time for God. No, the real problem is you're a lover of yourself. That's the real issue. Until you see it, you will not be free. See, I can allow you to see it, and the battle begins after that. <laughs> the battle begins after that. What's the real issue? Lovers of themselves. Then you will love money. Then you'll be boasters and proud. I have everything. I don't need much from God. I have everything. I'm good. You may be good on earth, but when you face God, you may not be good. Blasphemers, that's when you blaspheme God in your heart. Are we listening? That's when you blaspheme God in your heart. Why? Because you've put your throne above God. Can you see, please? How do you blaspheme God? People say, oh, you know what? Don't talk wrong of the Holy Spirit. The greatest way you can blaspheme God is put the flesh above the walk of the Spirit. <laughs> oh. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God you begin to see the diagnosing, the root problem is, I love myself more than God. Please, 
receive this message in your heart. All your battles is the first, the first sentence. All your battles is the first sentence. And Satan done it perfectly to Eve. What did he do? He believed, or he made Eve believe that God is withholding good from her. Are you listening? He done it in the garden. He made Eve believe that God is withholding good for her, good from her. Then she took it upon herself that I need to love my life above God. Next scripture. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now, what's the real issue? What's the real issue? The true power of God is what? The true power of God has come to your life for what? So you can operate in signs and wonders? So you can go and be the light of the world? No. The true power has come so that the flesh is never raised higher than the life of the Spirit. That's the true power of God inside of you. So that you never love your life more than you love God. That's the true power of God. The true power of God is that you live a life worthy in the Spirit and you being a lover of your flesh is so far away from you. So what is the true meaning of pride? I'm in love with my own life. I love myself. Where? Where? Naturally, the love of money follows. You know, I'm so busy in my life, and I'm struggling to make time for God. I'm struggling to be grateful. I'm struggling to be obedient. I'm struggling to have self-control. The real problem lays, lies with I love myself. If you want to be free, it's your decision, but I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit said to me. So what's attracted to you? If Satan's warfare is operating in you, what are you really doing? You're raising, your, you're you're raising the throne of the flesh above the spirit. That's what Satan does inside every believer. He makes you raise the flesh. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 25. Now look. Is there a consequence for a believer who loves themselves above God? There are major consequences. And please, you would rather hear it today than hear it on Judgment Day. If you can have a heart of, of a heart to change and a heart of humility, to really ex examine your heart and to see where you are at this present time, you must know this. There are major consequences for loving yourself. And I bring that to you because, yes, God is merciful. He's also a judge. 
Yes. You have to take the both. Someone, they want the good one, but they don't want the other one. He's going to judge you. Whether you like to hear it or not, he's going to judge all mankind. And let's see what the scripture says. John chapter 12, verse 25. Who's speaking? Jesus Christ. Now when Jesus speaks, pay greater attention. Let's see. The one who loves his life eventually loses it through death. But the one who hates his life in this world and is concerned with pleasing God will keep it for life eternal. Next scripture. Now this one gets a bit more deeper. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 38. This is in the Amplified. Jesus called the crowd together with his disciples. And he said to them, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. Set aside selfish interests. And take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me. Believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my, na for my sake and the gospel will save it from the consequence of sin and separation from God. Now, now let's pay attention here. From the consequence of sin and separation from God, how does it begin? How does it begin? Selfish interests. When you become selfish. For what does it profit, what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world with all its pleasures and forfeit his soul? Now you've probably read this a thousand times. Do you know what you're reading? Do you actually know what you're reading? Because many should be in the kingdom now. Many should be ambassadors of Christ now. Many should be walking epistles of Christ now. But the real issue is not pride. You're a lover of yourself. Because if you're a lover of God, He has your time, He has your heart, He has your life. Make no mistake, please. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 5. Now look what it says here. 1 Corinthians 13 is the character of God. Look. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Now, thank God they're all put in there. Because you can begin to say, a person who's self-seeking, he loves himself. But the true love of God doesn't go there. Because the throne of God is the highest rank in his life. Uh, we'll leave that now. Oh, maybe we should read this one. People need to hear this one. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. 
Okay, that's today. First Corinthians, so God's character is not self-seeking. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You see now, when it comes to self-seeking, naturally you have a heart to look for others. It's never based on yourself. You're going to learn now that the opposite of self-seeking is to serve others in every possible way. So how does that begin? Go out and do it. Go out and do it and God will start to bless you because you're acting in faith. Even though you don't feel it. Let's say you don't feel like serving others. When I first started my journey, I was like that. I wanted to go out and serve others because the Bible tells me. But I said to the Lord deep in my heart, Lord, I don't want to go out because your word says. I want to go out because I feel your compassion for the people, your love to the people, your mercy towards the people, your truth towards the people. And as I went, my heart started to change. As I went in faith, God started to transform my heart into his heart. But I went out still. That's how you destroy the image of self in you. That's how you destroy it. When you go out, that's how God sees you, that you're serious about your calling. And you don't want to serve your own desires. You don't want to serve yourself. So many people tell me, they're, they're, wait, they're, they're waiting for healing, they're waiting for breakthrough, they're waiting for results. They continue to serve themselves, they stay in that area. Does God really need, does God really need you to do something for him to give you back? No, this is faith. This is faith. So naturally, the image of self will not look at others' well-beings. It's interested in its own. Next one, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Look here. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourself. You see now the clash? You see the clash now? Do not merely look out of your own personal interest. Sorry, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. So how do you do that? How do you do that from day to day? God will always put people in your midst that are suffering mentally, that are suffering physically, suffering spiritually. They're in need of help financially. God will always put people in your midst and your flesh will be telling you, I, I'm too busy, I need to do this and I need to do this, I need to focus on this and you miss out on all the blessings that God is trying to bring change in you. Every place that I'm in, the Holy Spirit always shows me a place where I can break that strand of being a lover of myself to see, to see the Lord's doing or the Lord's work. James chapter 3.16 it says here, 
For where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degraded practice. You see that? Selfish ambition. If there's God, if there's something that God hates, it gets to be it gets more and more deeper. To be a lover of yourself, we're going deeper now. What is the real problem? Selfish. I am selfish. So look here what it says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degraded practice are there. So let's keep going quickly. Romans 15.2 Let each one of us make it a practice to please his neighbor for his good to build him up spiritually. Everything that we are called to do is to take the light off us and give it to others. Everything. That's how you destroy the image of self in you. But you may have problems. You may have challenges. You may be in need for God to actually help you. Yes, when you're out there, he's doing in there. Believe me. <laughs> when you're out there, he's doing in there. Because it's true. Your call is true now. You're not coming to God just for a need. You're coming to God to obey Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous man is a source of blessings and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. So you begin to see here, you begin to see here how God blesses a person. The generous man or it should be the selfless man, is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. He who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. Hebrews 13, 16. Now always speak about offering your bodies as living sacrifices unto God, for that is your true and proper worship. This is another way you can worship God. So many people ask me, I want to worship God more. Can you give me some tips? Hebrews 13, 16, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Okay. Why God cannot bless selfishness? So can I ask you something? And this is my heart to your heart. We all know Jesus here, yes? Most of us, yeah? Is everyone blessed by him and prospering? This is the question. But look what it says here. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 9, in the Amplified. Look. It says here, you look for much harvest, but it comes to little. And even when you bring that home, I blow it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house, which lies in ruins, while each of you runs to his own house, eager to enjoy it. So you see here, this scripture is showing you that you are putting self above the house of God. Can you see it? Can everyone see this? Why the blessing doesn't remain on your life. Look, 
you look for much harvest, it's talking about blessing. A harvest was a blessing in the Old Testament. But it comes to little. And even when you bring that home, I blow it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies in ruins, while each of you runs to his own selfish desires. Now, this is the uncomfortable scripture. This is from the Romans, chapter 2, verse 1 to 16. Now, this scripture is regarding the wrath of God on the, on, falls on those who are selfish. So for Jesus to call you, what is the opposite of selfish? Selfishness. What is it? Selfless, what's another word that we can use through the scripture? Humility. Humbleness, humility. So this is Paul's teachings. I'm going to read it all the way through. I just want to open your eyes to this, please. It's not about a good message. This is something that God hates. But Satan loves. Satan loves when you're selfish. Because you become in the fiery line of God. Look. Let's read it. <clears throat> Therefore, you have no excuse or justification, every one of you, who hypocritically judges and condemns others. For in passing judgment on another person, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge from a position of arrogance or self-righteousness are habitually practicing the very same things which you denounce. And we know that the judgment of God falls justly and in accordance with truth on those who practice such things. But do you think, O oh man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do the same yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his verdict? Or do you have no regard for the wealth of his kindness and tolerance and patience in withholding his wrath? Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness leads you to repentance? That is to change your inner self? Hang on a second now. Now God's speaking about repentance now. Now what was repentance really designed to do? Or do you have no regard for the wealth of his kindness and tolerance and patience in withholding his wrath? Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness leads you to repentance? That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, seek his purpose for your life. You begin to see it's deeper now. Next please. But because of your callous stubbornness, and unrepenting heart, you are deliberately storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will pay back to each person according to his deeds, justly as his deeds deserve. To those who by persistence in doing good seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor, 
and immortality. He will give the gift of eternal life. But for those who are But for those who are, you see Satan's warfare. You see Satan's. You see Satan's strategy. You see how he traps humankind today. You see. Live for yourself, you'll be okay. Live for yourself. You may be smiling inside or laughing inside, but let me tell you something: the scripture has been settled in heaven. What he says is going to happen. It's the truth. And take this to heart. You must change. It's the truth. Make no mistake. For those who are selfishly living for themselves, there's a consequence. Though God is merciful, though his repentance is until your last breath, he's knocking now. But because of your callous, stubbornness, and unrepenting heart, you're deliberately storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will pay back to each person to his deeds justly as his deeds deserve. To those who persistence in doing good, seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor, and immortality, he will give the gift of eternal life. Now let me tell you something here. There's a big mistake in the churches today. Does God judge does God judge your walk in the beginning or the end? The end. I have fought the race. I have finished the fight. Oh, sorry. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. He judges true call of God at the end. Not the beginning. The beginning is when the war begins. You know that? He sees the true call of God at the end. At the end result. Because that's how you've truly cooperated with him and the Holy Spirit and his word. That's how he knows you've truly cooperated with him. Make no mistake. We use, we use God's grace very loosely today. Yes? I say it on my behalf. We use God's grace in vain today. The grace of God has appeared. It teaches us to deny all ungodliness. Yes, God is merciful. Yes, God is compassion. Yes, his blood. We have bought, been bought at a price. Therefore, honor your life with God. But let me tell you something. God judges your walk at the end. Many can start on fire. Many can start with a flame. And everything's good. God judges at the end. If you've truly loved him to the end. I keep reading. He will pay back to each person according to his deeds, justly as his deeds deserve. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor and immortality, he will give the gift of eternal life. But for those who are selfishly ambitious and self-seeking and disobedient to the truth, but responsive to wickedness, there will be wrath and indignation. Now, this is free will. This is your own free will now. There will be tribulation and anguish 
torturing confinement for every human soul who does or permits evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Next. But glory and honor and inner peace will be given to everyone who habitually does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With him, one person is not more important than another. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without regarding to the law. And all who have sinned under law will be judged and condemned by the law. For it is not those who merely hear the law, as it read aloud, who are just or righteous before God, but it is those who actually obey the law who will be justified, pronounced free of the guilt of sin, and declared acceptable to him. Next. When, now he's talking about us now. When Gentiles who do not have the law, since it was given only to the Jews, do instinctively the things the law requires, guided only by their conscience. They are a law to themselves. Though they do not have the law, they show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts and their conscience. Their sense of right and wrong, their moral choices bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or perhaps defending them. On that day when, as my gospel proclaims, God will judge the secrets, all the hidden thoughts and concealed sins of men through Christ Jesus. Now, if I'm going to tell you to meditate on the scripture, read, the, read all the message, meditate this at the end. So it shows you here, if Satan wants to bring warfare against the believer, what is his greatest device? To create a stronghold of pride, which leads to you being a lover of yourself, which leads to you being selfish on earth. That's how he gets mankind. I'll finish off with this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Now thank the Lord for this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ, now he's talking about the love of Christ now. Now look where the love of God leads. There's no escape. I'm sorry. Every scripture leads to crushing selfishness. There's no escape. Look, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Next. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. All the scripture confirmed, they clicked perfectly together. Next one. And he died for all. And he died for all. I already read that. <laughs> Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. How many people know Christ as in the flesh? How, do we, how are we meant to know Christ? 
we meant to know him by the spirit, no longer to see him as a person of the flesh, but a person of death to the flesh. Paul is saying here, therefore from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. We know him no longer in this way to live for ourselves, but to know Christ. We know him to live by the Spirit. And Paul saying, I don't know Jesus Christ as a, as a person of the flesh. I know him in the same way that he was known, I am known to him as a person that needs to die to the flesh. Are we understanding? Can you see now, if there is something that God hates, it's selfishness. And what is the world, what is, I'll say the Christian world, what is the Christian world doing today? Selfish life. And I don't mean to condemn you or hurt you, I meant to lift you out of this area. Because in this area we're in trouble. In this area we're in trouble. But for you to live for yourself, is Satan's greatest warfare. For you to be a lover of yourself links to every other attack, as Second Timothy said. Every evil attack comes. I want to fix my life. I want to make more time for God. I need to focus on this. I'm sorry. You're a lover of yourself. This is why you have so many problems. Can you see? Can I say something to you? I've seen many people, I've seen many people have so many problems, but they're continuous going out, having a servant mindset, having a servant heart, having a heart for the kingdom. They're just going out is a testimony that God can cleanse them, prune them, and lift them out of this area. So when I first started my journey, yes, I wanted to get my life in a place where I'm right standing with God, but I had a heart to go out. I had a heart to seek the interests of others. I had a heart to bless people. You know what God done behind closed doors, behind those areas? He was lifting me up. You know why? Because I had a heart to care for others. And if you have this heart, I'm telling you, God can cut every desire of self-image in you and make you one of His. But if you sit there and do nothing with, with your life, all you're doing, layer upon layer, you're creating that lover of self to be so hard in you. Do we understand this? So when we talk about Satan's warfare, when we talk about Satan's warfare, you begin to see most Christians, unfortunately, are operating in Satan's warfare rather than God's discipline. Can you see it now? Can everyone see it now? So a lot of people say, oh, I'm getting attacked. Oh, you know, I'm going through so much. Everything's caving in on me. I'm sorry. You're operating in the image of self. You're a lover of yourself. That's why you're serving money. That's why you're unholy, living a disobedient life. That's why you're living an ungrateful life. That's why you're unthankful. The real issue is I have a deeper root problem. I'm a lover of self. Please understand. So let's pray. Does anyone want to pray after this? 
there is hope. I tell you something. If you can understand one thing, that the true enemy of God is what? Selfishness. Satan's greatest war against Christians today is to live a life of selfishness. How can you change? Very easy. Begin to look at the interests of others. Begin to be a care for others. Use your goods to bless others. Use whatever God gave you financially, physically, spiritually to bless. Give your time. Go out and help. This is how you crush the image of pride. This is how God changes that desire in you. He can. With your cooperation. I can't be bothered and yeah, I'm just comfortable here with my family. I'm telling you, many people today, they're lazy. Lazy Christians. When I hear someone sick, I can't wait to go and preach the gospel. When I hear someone that's hurting, I can't wait to go preach the gospel. When I hear someone that's broken, I can't wait to go hear the, preach the gospel. You know why? Because I'm giving them the way out of what God gave me. I can't wait. That's how you crush the image of self. This is how warfare is pushed away from your life. Please understand. But this is deep, deep revelation by the grace of the Lord Jesus to show you that the true enemy is yourself. Satan brings self, your own flesh. Then you have an issue with God. What a crafty fellow he is. What a crafty fellow he is. He pulls all these strings in the, in the secret place, then he makes you be an enemy towards God. And I'm not saying that every person is doing this, but just understand the deeper device strategy of the enemy. Let's pray. We pray together as one. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. I pray, Lord, that we're no longer slaves to the flesh, where we uh, become lovers of self, where we become selfish. I pray by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us the right to enter your throne, to obtain mercy, help, and grace in time of need. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, today upon us and the congregation that we are transformed. That you give us the grace to have a heart of humility, a heart of service. That we can care for those who are in need, for those who are lost, to have a heart for the kingdom. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you give us the grace so we can begin to have this heart. And only you can give it to us, Lord, through divine appointment by the Holy Spirit. And I pray for every person here today that they may no longer live a selfish life, but a life of gratitude towards the Lord. I pray from today, Lord Jesus, that no one lifts the throne of the flesh above your throne. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name today, that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son that you love, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're helping us in this area to overcome and to conquer. 
and to remain in the area of self-control. I thank you for this grace upon us, Lord. I thank you for this grace upon us, Lord. And I pray this grace upon every soul because that is the true worship to you. That the flesh is not lift above your throne of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. And I want you to really understand this teaching. It's very deep. Too deep. But it's to transform you. And it's to allow you that you are prized possession. Bought at a price. You're no longer part of this world. Amen.